Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome back to College Golf Talk. Season 2 officially underway here in 2021. Steve Burkowski, Brentley Romine with you. And Brentley, after a fall season where we saw just two of the Power Five play college golf, the heavyweights are back, schedules are set, some traveling a lot. The SEC, they're going to keep their regional footprint. Everyone with plans of being in Greyhawk in Arizona in late May. We've got Pepperdine's event on tap on Golf Channel in just a few days' time. Happy New Year, my friend. What can we expect to see over the next four months? Happy New Year to you too, Burko. I'll, I'll tell you what. I am just really excited about this spring season coming up. The fall, you know, we we got golf. You know, I, I want to be thankful that we've got to watch something. But I'll tell you what. You know, with everyone back in the fold, with the Pac-12 on the women's side um, playing, with the ACC on the men's side, the Big Ten, the Pac-12 on the men's side. I mean, everyone's playing. I mean, even the American Conference. We can't forget about the mid-majors. So um, it's not going to be what we're used to. It's not going to be what we've seen, you know, these past 10, 20, 30 springs for some of us. But uh it's going to be something, and it should be exciting once we get to Greyhawk. I mean, I have a feeling we're going to be sitting there at dinner, Burko, in uh, Scottsdale, and just you know laughing and kicking back, and uh, you know it's going to be as close to normal as uh, you know the uh, you know can get. Let's hope. I hope we can uh, mutually sit at the same table and have a proper dinner. There are a lot of questions. We've got some of the answers, others we won't have to table. wait for. It's a really big yeah, table. big table. Good thing. Let's yeah, uh, socially table. distance. But to help us kick off 2021 on College Golf Talk, we're bringing in two of the best in the business, Julie Williams, Lance Ringler from Golf Week, to get their thoughts, their expectations of what they're looking forward to seeing in the coming weeks and months. And we'll go with ladies first, as we should, and welcome in Julie Williams. Happy New Year, my friend. How are you? I'm great. Happy New Year to you. What are you most looking forward to seeing as the college golf season now is underway and as we try to get back to some sense of normalcy and normality here in the next four months? I guess I'm looking to see how everything shakes out when we start to get some common opponents. I think we can look at rankings from the fall and try and figure out who played well in the fall. But until everybody's playing, we don't have a very good picture. So I want to see, you know, how are some of those fall teams that played well going to hold up when everybody's playing again? I agree. we got some rapid-fire questions and topics for you and Brentley, and I'll chime in as well. So we will get right to it. And Wake Forest, who did not play in the fall, the ACC did not play college golf. They entered the spring number one in the country. Do you believe they deserve that spot at this point in time in the calendar? I, I have no reason to think that Wake Forest isn't going to be at the top of the rankings. If they're not at the top of the rankings, then I think USC is probably going to be at the top. Based on what we saw those players do in the summer, I mean, I don't think anybody played as well as Rachel Keene in the summer schedule, uh, if, unless it was Gabby Ruffles. Uh, she played beautifully in a couple of LPGA majors and almost defended her women's amateur title. So I don't think we have any reason to think they're not going to be at the top of the rankings, but if, you know, if I'm going to shout out two teams who played well in the fall, it's, it's Baylor and Ole Miss and 
teams I'm going to be looking for in the spring, see how they hold up against those those couple of new or those lots of new teams that are now going to be playing. Brentley, where do you stand on that topic? Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Julie. And, um, you know, it's, I, I think it's going to be a, a trend of me agreeing with her because she, you know, she was boots on the ground all summer. And uh, last fall, she probably attended more amateur events and uh, college events than anybody. So, but yeah, I, I, I agree with her in Wake. I think the Demi Deacons actually got better, which you can't say that for too many teams um, on the women's side. You're kind of, you know, maybe the top three or so. But, uh, I mean, Amelia Miliaccio, Rachel Keene at the top of that lineup, that's just a, you know, a vaunted one-two punch. Swing Lou isn't a bad number three option either. Um, one new name to keep an eye on, that's freshman Mimi Rhodes. I think she's going to get a lot of run this spring. And uh, they may need it because apparently Vanessa uh, Kinech is battling a hip injury and they're not sure how much they're going to get out of her or uh, what they're going to get out of her. So um, then also Lauren Walsh is a really great player too. So uh, definitely deserving of number one. You could make an argument, I guess, for South Carolina or USC, but um, yeah, wakes, uh, wakes the team to beat right now. They are good. We have not seen them play collectively as a team in nearly 10 months. That's the biggest thing that baffles me right now. That is a lot of these groups and programs get back together. It's nearly been a year since they all put on the team uniforms and hopped in the van or hopped on a plane. You mentioned South Carolina. I'm going to lean that way right now, simply for the fact we saw them play in the fall season. I think they're really darn good. And I think they might even get better as this year progresses. The great freshmen from a season ago, where they're now the super sophomores. Julie, who do you think is the best of that bunch? Well, obviously, Vivian Ho at Arizona was very impressive last year. Got the got the freshman of the year nod. And the thing is, we just haven't, I haven't seen her play in the U.S. I know she's playing a lot of pro events in Taiwan, you know, just looking at her wagger. So, you know, you, you imagine she's going to come back just as strong as she was. However, I'm, I'm looking at a kid, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this from the perspective of maybe who got better from freshman year to sophomore year. And I'm going to go with Auburn's Megan Scofield. I, I think she's a scrappy little player. I like her. She's played her way into the Curtis Cup practice session. Um, she came back from 10 shots down to win the, her, her Florida State Amateur, which to me, you know, it's a state amateur, but that's impressive. Um, and then the other little thing I like, she got, she got paired in a four ball match at the Palmer Cup where her, her partner had withdrawn. It was a mixed four balls. So she took on two players by herself and took them 17 holes. I think that says a lot of, about her and, and her mindset. So I'm going to say watch out for Megan. This I like it. I like it. What about you, Scrappy Romine? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm telling you what, Jules is just stealing my things. But you know, I, luckily, there's a few more freshmen that I like. Um, I, I, I do like Schofel, and you obviously saw what Auburn did with her in the lineup and her out of the lineup during the fall. Um, but I, I really like Ingrid Lindblad. I mean, what did uh, what did her coach Garrett Runyon say, Burko? You know, she's the she's the Joe Burrow. Is it was was that the correct comparison? Yeah, I think that's what uh, was told to me, me at the blessings of the analogy of what LSU football had done a season ago. Like you want her in that big spot in that big moment, and, and there was a stretch there at the blessings, uh, guys, that for 15 holes. On our air, she didn't miss a golf shot. Yeah. 
Yeah. She probably had that tournament won until the little mishap on the back nine. Uh, what was that on 13 or 14? Uh, you can't go wrong if you're going to lean uh, Lynn Blad's way. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say Pauline Racine Bouchard from South Carolina probably is the more consistent talent. She probably brings that A-plus level of play more often. But Lynn Blad's best is probably better than anybody else. Um, so it's just a matter of whether she brings that 10 out of 10 times instead of 8 out of 10 times. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just – I mean, we definitely had a lot of options. We haven't even talked about Lynn Grant yet. Or yeah. Maya Stark. Yeah. Yeah. Or well, we and, and I going, think it's out. human nature that we're leaning to, to players we saw in the fall or we've seen play golf. I mean, there are a handful, again, that have not competitively in a collegiate environment played. So I, I tend to lean to uh, Roussin Bouchard, but uh, you can't go wrong with any three of those that happen to be from the SEC. A team from the Big 12 that struggled this past fall season. The Longhorns from Texas. Is this the year where they maybe get unseated? Do they get knocked off that perch, Julie, uh, in Big 12 uh, country? It's, it's hard to say because I don't know that we got a great look at what they're capable of. Caitlin Papp only played twice. Granted, they only played three times as a team. They didn't get a Gatlinny at all. She was in Europe. Um, however, looking at the Big 12, gosh, I like Baylor. I like Baylor a lot in the fall. I think they're really deep. I like Gerling Carr. I think um, I think it'd be hard. I think it'll be hard even when Texas is at full strength to play that Baylor lineup. And Oklahoma State obviously is is going to be tough too. So I, I don't know. I think I'll, I have a hard time saying you know ranking my top three Big Twelve teams at this point in the year. But my early favorite is Baylor for sure. Ooh. She, I don't she's know about stealing that your one, notes. <laughs> no, no, finally, you can go the other way here, Brent. Yeah, I don't, man, I don't know about that. I, I, I think Julie hit the nail on the head at the beginning when she was saying she doesn't know if we got a good look at Texas. We, we didn't get a good look at Texas. I got Lenny, Sarah Kuskova. Those are two top, what, top 30, top 20 Wagger players. Um, so with, without them in the lineup and then Caitlin Patton missing an event to get ready for the U.S. Open, you know, this this is a team that when you put all those pieces together on paper, they're far and away better than everybody else. But that being said, I mean, I guess I could see um, going with the hot hand and Baylor winning three times uh, was pretty impressive. But if I had to, you know, bet some money on it, which we obviously don't do, um, I would I would uh, definitely bank on Texas winning four in a row in the Big 12 for sure. Oh, really? Huh. really? That, that, that being said, though, I, when we're talking about nationally uh, in, in the preseason rankings, I think I had, I think I had Texas at number five. I, I think there's a pretty sizable gap right now between the top four teams and Texas. So they could prove me wrong this spring once they get everyone back. But right now, I think uh, they're a little bit behind in terms of nationally. Well, I've got a slight lean to Baylor. And again, my default is going to be teams we saw play a lot and as you guys sort of discussed we didn't see maybe the complete package of what texas might look like here in the weeks uh and months to come so uh i'm going to sort of transition to the sleeper team and i'm going to take center stage and i'm going to continue to ride the baylor bears head coach jay goble what they did in the fall 
guys, go back six years ago when Stanford won the national championship at concession. It was against Baylor. Now, granted, the team is different, but they've got a coach that knows what it takes to somehow navigate uh, the dynamics of getting it done. Uh, so I'm going to hang my hat right now at this point in the middle of January uh, on Baylor as a sleeper that will continue throughout the spring. Hmm. Well, I hmm. think I'm, that's uh, all you got. Hmm. <laughs> I'll say you and me, really. I, I mean, maybe I'm just not that high on Baylor, but uh, I, I would say my sleeper is is going to be the Oregon Ducks. And the reason I say that is because there's going to be a player who we're going to be very familiar with. We talked about the freshmen last year that were really good. Cynthia Liu is going to be one of the best players in the country this season, this spring, I have a feeling. Also, Derek Radley now in his, I believe it's his second year. So it'll be... Um, you know, he, he he got the experience being the assistant on Arizona's team that won it a couple of years ago back on Carson Creek. And we really start to see these young, talented coaches take off once they have a couple of years under their belt. I think he finally has, um, you know, finally has the, the, the players that he wants there, uh, the recruits that he's brought in. And another interesting wrinkle is their assistant is Monica Vaughn, who knows the Scottsdale area, probably knows Greyhawk very well and reminds me of, was it the 2014 men's championship where Mike McGraw, um, you know, was the assistant for Alabama. I think assistant coach may have, yeah, may may have a little bit, um, you know, extra to do with their team having success at the NCAA. So I'm going to go Oregon. I, I, really think they're going to break out this year they they kind of were starting to last spring too but um of course that season was cut short but yeah the ducks for sure quack quack julie who's your sleeper uh well i i have to give you credit uh burko i think i think baylor's a good pick for someone who's going to surprise us in ncaa's um i like ole miss for someone who could get farther in NCAAs than we think they would. And, and maybe I just saw Ellen Hume play for the, for the first time in person at the Sally. She won the Sally last week. And of course she got a lot of airtime at the East Lake cup. I'm, imp- I'm very impressed by her. I, I think I used the word scrappy earlier. Maybe I'm just on a scrappy kick today, but I like, I like that scrappy little lineup. I think there's no superstar on that team. There, and it kind of reminds me of like that Arizona team that won in what, 2018 was that at Karsten? Mm-hmm. You know, there was no superstar in that lineup, which I think was a, obviously bodes well if you're going to play in match play. But um, sleepers, are, sleepers are hard, I think, because we never are really that surprised, I think, at, at, by the time the championship rolls around. I don't really feel like there's ever somebody on the women's side that comes out of left field and wins a title, but if, if I could just get a little shout out too, if we're thinking sleepers in terms of who's going to play better in the spring that we, that we maybe don't see coming, I'm going to go to the ACC because we haven't seen anyone play from the ACC. And I'm going to look at Virginia and Virginia Tech. I think there's a couple of real good players on Virginia Tech, notably Emily Mayer, who I think is probably one of the most overlooked players. Um, she just won the Kari Webb scholarship with with Gabby Ruffles, so that tells you what caliber she is. John Mayer. Was that? Yeah, exactly. John Mayer's sister. Right. Um, and and I like I like some of those some of the girls on on Virginia's team, notably Riley Smythe, who I think has surprised me at the women's am and has continued to surprise me with what kind of little player she is. So 
I think this is maybe the cool part of this season is we just haven't seen very much golf. And so there's, I think there's going to be a lot of things that surprise us in the spring or a lot of, you know, huh, how about that type of thing? Maybe, maybe we haven't seen what's going on at those practice facilities. So we don't really know where those teams are. No, I agree. It's sort of how I kicked off this uh, podcast. Of, we've got a lot of questions and we're just not going to have the answers today, tomorrow, next week, but they'll probably develop uh, and come to the forefront uh, before we know. We've got about two minutes left in this thing. Two more questions remaining. What team wins it all? What individual wins it all? I'm all in on South Carolina. I see that Lady Gamecocks go out west, get the job done, led by Pauline Roussen Bouchard. My one caveat with them and a lot of teams from the East Coast, we saw it a few years ago when the national championships went to Eugene and teams like Alabama and Georgia and a lot of Southeastern Conference flavor simply could not adjust. Now, granted, Eugene Country Club and Greyhawk, very different. I think you're going to see maybe that happen again. There could be that lean towards those desert teams, but I'm going to continue to ride Kaylin Anderson and her squad from Columbia. I see that. Perko, that was a perfect segue. <laughs> perfect segue into my pick. Do you Which want to is? go first, Oh, no. All you, Brantley. Let's hear it. All right. I'm going to go Arizona State, the home team. You know, I mean, and not for maybe all the reasons why people would expect. I mean, they're a very talented roster led by Lynn Grant and 12th year senior uh, Olivia Mahaffey. She's been there forever. Um, top to bottom through that lineup. Obviously, they know Greyhawk. They are going to be comfortable. Yes, there's going to be that pressure of playing in front of your home fans, but that, I mean, that worked out real well in Oregon, right? Um, but also, you know, something that we just recently found out, obviously, um, the Sun Devils head coach, uh, Misty Farquay, battling cancer for a third time. She's going to continue to coach to the spring. I just think that, you know, having Missy going through that and her team behind her, I think that's going to make them stronger as a group and it's going to give them something extra to play for. And we've seen it in the past with Oklahoma winning, um, you know, for, for coach Ryan Hibble's um, wife uh, who, um, you know, they, they, they had the, I, I believe it was the, do you remember that Julie or Burka? Do you remember that not, not in, in 2017? Yes. Um, they, 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 lost, they, they lost a child. Yeah, they, they had the miscarriage, and, and that team really uh, rallied around the, the Hibbles and were able to win a, a title. And, and we see that throughout sports. You know, when, you know, especially college athletes, they, they, they get that, you know, maybe first dose of perspective, and um, it, it just makes them uh, feel like they have something bigger to play for than just themselves in their school. So I like Arizona State. I like – uh, also, Lynn Grant to win the individual title. Julie, wrap it up for us. Give us a national champ team-wise and individually. I'm, I'm going to give a nod. I, I respect the ASU pick from Brentley. However, I think more often your home team brings the pressure uh, and makes it tougher on themselves than they they do rise up to the challenge. So so I'm also going to nod to uh, to Burko. I think you make an excellent point. The East Coast teams aren't going to see that venue, particularly I mean, SEC teams are absolutely not because they can't play out of their regional footprint. So I'm, I'm going with USC. I'm going to be boring and go with USC. It's a West Coast team that's, that's going to see the, and know the venue. 
I think this is the year they win. I do like the local kid to win the title. I think Lynn Grant's a good pick or Olivia Mahaffey. I think that's my pick for individual title. Well, we will revisit these and see just how wrong we were in about four months from now. But it's always fun to discuss, project, speculate a little bit. Uh, Julie Williams from Golf Week, always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, continue to stay safe, and hopefully we will get together at some point and watch some college golf together. I hope so. Thank you so much. Great to have you on. Thank you for joining us, and we will transition Julie Williams from Golf Week to Lance Ringler from Golf Week. You know, Brentley, you had said 10 or 20 or 30 springs. I mean, we're not that old, but I know Lance and I have covered <laughs> several, several, several NCAA championships through the years. And um, he'll be joining us momentarily to sort of break down the men's perspective of what he thinks is going to happen over the course uh, of the coming weeks and months. And, and when we get Lance here momentarily, I touched on Pepperdine's event, Brentley. What can we expect from the waves at the Southwestern Invitational with a lot of teams that we haven't seen again for a long time? I think we're going to see what we saw last year. And, you know, that's, that's Pepperdine playing very well. This is a team that, you know, I don't think had was at full strength during the fall and they still played, you know, pretty darn well in second at Merido. Uh, obviously they, they won the East Lake cup or won the match play portion of the East Lake cup, but William Al didn't quite look like the first team all American that we saw last year. I think that's going to change in the spring, perhaps as soon as next week at North ranch, uh, Josh, Joshua McCarthy, won twice um, during the fall, and those were the only two times he made the lineup. Joey Versich, I don't think, has played around this season yet in the lineup. So there's a lot of pieces for Michael Beard. Um, it'll be interesting to see what five he trots out. Um, obviously, being a home event, uh, they'll be able to get seven or eight guys in the field, obviously adding uh, individuals. So I I think it's going to be more of the same, but there's going to be some other teams that I think could give them a little bit of a run, but Pepperdine playing on home turf is just a little bit too tough to beat, I think. Well, I know you and I are looking forward to getting out there and making the trip as Lance Ringler now officially aboard College Golf Talk. Happy New Year, my friend. Glad to see you and have you join us. And as we jump right into it, we did with Julie, we're going to have some rapid fire topics, discussions over on the men's side and You've got your finger on the pulse of the rankings more than probably anyone else out there. And they're always important come the spring, come regional selection shows. How different do you think the rankings are going to be this year? And the emphasis that the committee down the road is going to maybe have to look at it uh, from a completely different lens. Well, Steve, that's a, that's about a 30 minute podcast right there. <laughs> but I guess in a nutshell, I mean, everybody was, was really concerned about this year because of rankings and, and what was going to happen. And I think the reason they're the most concerned about it is simply because the, the, the committee for the past, however many years, pretty much goes straight down the list. I mean, there's not a lot of deviant deviance from that. And uh, so that that's why there's so much concern, but I can tell you that just because the team played three or four times in the fall doesn't mean it's going to skew or do anything to the rankings. Once all these teams play 
uh, the rankings will be just fine as long as there's connection. Um, that was the other fear that some of these conferences were going to play only within their conference. And then that would be a complete mess and cause all kinds of problems. Um, I still think we'll have maybe a few situations that might need to be looked at, but for the most part, by the time we get to the end of March, the rankings are going to be fine as far as doing what they've always done. Uh, not only I know what, what I do with the golf week sagging rankings, but with golf stat as well, the real issue would have been had they stayed in conference only. And that would have been a big problem. And I still think this year um, the committee might want to look at teams um, and, and move some teams around. I I'm still not sure that with the, you know, for example, some of the teams still playing more locally, but again, I say that, but you know, teams like BYU and Pepperdine from the fall, they traveled all over and, and was able to connect those teams. So as long as things go normally this spring, I don't think we're going to have a big problem with accurate rankings. I love the optimism. Let's make it as simple as we possibly can. We're jumping into some, some uh, quick topics to touch on uh, as we begin the spring season over on the men's side. What program, Lance, do you believe deserves to be number one right now in the middle of January 2021? But you see, it's a tough question because I'm still trying to figure out exactly who's who and where where's what. <laughs> I, it, I mean, it's been it's been so long since since we really had college golf, you know, at full blast. And I think what this this past fall, I mean, for the most part, yeah, teams were playing, but there was no excitement. There was no it was it just really wasn't any. You know, I, I've told people the only thing that was really exciting about the fall was a couple of the teams that went undefeated. And then that tweet Oklahoma put out when they said we're back, you know, that's about all. I mean, there just wasn't a lot of excitement. So to sit here right now, I guess you would have to default to the fall season and whoever played well, you know, during the fall, that would have to be who, who you would have to say is number one. And I, and I'd go right to Oklahoma just based on that only, um, you know, that, that, that would be my number one pick right now is Oklahoma. Brentley. I knew Lance was going to pick Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. He always picks Oklahoma. He picked him in the our, uh, NCAA simulation last summer. Well, but they're knowing good. That, knowing that, uh, I will. I have Oklahoma at number two in my spring uh, preseason power rankings. But my number one team is this is gonna be a real shocker. But it's Arizona State, and they were. We actually got to see them play uh, just a couple days ago um, at the Copper Cup against Arizona. I will say Arizona. Gave them a heck of a match. Only lost by one point. But Arizona State, to me, when you look at the top of the lineup with Kevin Yu and David Puig, who a lot of people think could be close to ROM levels by the time he reaches his junior or senior year in Scottsdale. And then Cameron Sisk, a U.S. Walker Cup practice session guy, as your number three player. And then just fill it in from there. Blake Wagoner, um, Mason Anderson. There, I mean, there's just there's a ton of talent, and I just don't see on paper. And that's what a preseason is. I mean, it's mostly on paper because not it's not the preseason, Brantley. It's not the preseason. Yes, it is. <laughs> no, that 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 was that's that was the problem the fake, with this year. Fake season in the fall. It, it, it's season light. Yeah. Oh no. Fake season. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, everyone is playing. When, when when you only have two Power Five conferences playing, it doesn't – like, you you can't just discredit a team like Arizona State that didn't play. I mean, you, you have to kind of look at – yeah, maybe you get a more educated guess because you 
have seen some of these teams play. But for the most part, I'm just going on based on the potential that Arizona State has, and I think they have the potential to be the best team. And so that's why I have them at number one. And I know I know Pepperdine is like, wait, listen, we were number one yeah. at the end of the spring last year, but still. Uh, and that's who I have at the end right now, uh, end of the fall, starting the spring, is Pepperdine. I thought they had a very solid uh, fall campaign. They made a bit of a statement at the East Lake Cup. They played golf, so we'll continue to see uh, if they have that chip on their shoulder as we uh, transition into what do we think is the best conference in the country right now. Again, two of the power five played, so we don't have a big sample, but I'm going to narrow it down real simple. Do you think it's Big 12 or SEC, Lance? You know, that's a, that's a, that's a tough question. I mean, the Big, the big 12 has fewer teams. Uh, you know, the, all pretty much all those teams have shown that they could play a little bit. I mean, Kansas State has had some, some down years here recently. I think two years ago or three years ago, they were the, the first team out um, of the postseason. But I, I'd say top to bottom, if, you, if you're just looking at the start, I, I would say it's got to be the Big 12. Hmm. Hmm. We got another. Hmm. I, I mean, top to bottom when you only have what, nine? Where they have nine teams, ten teams? Nine. Yeah, but I mean, how can you be the Big 12 with only nine teams and be the best conference in the country? I mean, yeah, looking at Oklahoma, Texas, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, and Baylor, that's a pretty strong top five. I think that top five is better than the SEC. But if we're going to the 12th and 13th and 14th team in the SEC, you're talking about teams like Kentucky, Mississippi State, these are teams that have made regionals. Heck, it wasn't too long ago that we had all 14 teams in the SEC make a regional. So I would say that collectively, and especially if you look at maybe individual talent, um, you know, I, I just have a hard time, you know, I, I guess the short answer is I don't really know who's the best team, but if I had to pick, it would probably be the SEC. And I know that's going to be – people are going to think that's a homer pick. I live in Florida. I live in the southeast. But, you know, I I don't know. I, the Big 12 is very good as well. So, it's just – Lance was right. This is a tough question. And I know I created this question, so I should have an answer to it. But I really don't. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just take the fifth on that because I can make the argument for both. Uh, a quick update, the PGA Tour University rankings will continue to be updated throughout the course of the spring. If that's news to you, the top five after NCAs get Corn Ferry Tour status, uh, John Pack, Chung An Yu, Austin Ekro, Davis Thompson, Sandy Scott, those are the top five. John Augustine has turned pro. He's in the field uh, in Palm Springs this week. Strafacci not going to be playing in the spring for Georgia Tech. So it will be intriguing to watch those uh, rankings see if they change i'm going to give you two quick flyers matias schmidt at 18 from louisville jonathan brightwell 29th from oklahoma i'm intrigued to see these guys maybe make it to the top 15 to have some type of status on one of the international tours um we'll get deeper into that guys throughout the course of the spring as those rankings change uh but that's just sort of a quick update which i think is going to be an, a very interesting part of what college golf uh, is going to look like in the spring as we sort of circle back to the spring season and hopefully Greyhawk in four months and change 
Lance, give me a sleeper team to keep an eye on that might do something special at the NCAA championships. Well, you know, that, that that's the thing about sleeper teams right now is again, we're trying to figure out who's who. And I mean, we, there's been so many transfers and, and players that might make a difference in that three, four, five spot on some of these mid-major teams. What I, what I do remember is if you go back to the, to, to before the pause in college golf, you had some teams that had a lot of momentum and had, a, had some really nice years going on. Uh, teams like Colorado State, teams like Washington from the West Coast. I mean, they wouldn't have had any problem probably playing in Arizona and still probably won't because they play a lot of golf down there throughout the year. And so those are teams um, I want to see if they can pick up where they, where they left off. You know, Colorado State was like a 15th ranked team in the country and was having a nice year. Um, you know, it's it, several of those, you know, Oregon State in, in the, was the top 35 team. So when I think of sleepers, I'm thinking of a team, you know, who's outside the top 20, who, who, and especially on the men's side, because we don't see a lot of it on the women's side. But I'm thinking of those types of teams. And like I said, the, the West Coast was littered with four or five of these types of teams that I think had they been able to get through the regional, they would have been teams that would have played well at Greyhawks. So, um, I mean, I, I, Colorado State, you know, Washington, Oregon State, those are, those are all teams I think would fit my mold as a sleeper team. I know that's not one team, Steve, but I'm just kind of trying to give you a theme of, of, of right now where we're at. And I think we could probably identify one of those teams a little bit better, say, in six weeks from now. But I, still, like I said, those teams had so much momentum going, and I felt those are the teams I really feel the worst for because those programs are cyclical. And, boy, they were poised to make good runs last year, and it didn't happen. Now, I'm okay with multiple options. Uh, Brentley, real quickly, your sleeper squad to keep an eye on? Yeah, the, there was one coach that told me never count out Washington. So I'm never counting out Washington. But my sleeper is, that is the going Washington to be... coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what did Alan yeah. Murray tell you when we weren't uh, looking? It, no, it, just joking. It, yeah, it, it actually, no. It, it wasn't Alan Murray, but I, I do agree with that sentiment. <laughs> but, uh, um, yes, UAB won three times this fall. They're certainly a team to keep an eye on. But my sleeper is and I'm really excited about this one and we're going to see them we're recording this on a Tuesday and we're going to see them probably win at Camp Creek to open the spring and that's going to be Florida State um, the reason I like Florida State is we've seen in the past teams win with the formula of, of, of having two studs atop the lineup most recently Stanford with Brandon Wu and Isaiah Salinda and that's why I like the Seminoles John Pack finally has a a 1B, if you will, a running mate in Vincent Norman, the number one ranked player in Division II last year from Georgia Southwestern. He transfers in. He's an unbelievable player with those two atop the lineup. And if Trey Jones can get something out of those other three, four guys, um, Florida State's going to be a team that uh, makes the run at match play. I'm going to keep it in the conference. It's from the hard strings. I want to see if Clemson can send Larry Penley out on the right note. The longtime Tiger head coach announcing earlier this week that this will be his last run at it. After 38 years of leading the Tigers, he goes back to the 70s as a player. Lance, you and I were at Carson Creek in 03 when there was a lot of orange being worn, but it was about 50 people wearing the Clemson orange that took down Oklahoma state that still resonates as one of the more powerful 
finishes to that type of environment I'd ever seen. Uh, so that's, that's, that's a little, not a Homer pick, but that's an emotional. Larry is truly one of the great guys. We wish him the best. I hope they can make a run, maybe get the match play. We've seen them on the cusp of those moments. Uh, it would be fun to see uh, that if it does um, sort of formulate itself over the next few months. We got about a minute or two left. Individual champ, team champ. I'm going to go Pepperdine for the men. Everyone's back except Sahef Thagala, the Fred Haskins award winner from a year ago. Michael Beard telling me at the Eastlake Cup, this team is playing with a chip on their shoulder. People think it was Sahith and the rest of the group. They're on a mission. I think they can do it. And I'll go Austin Eckroad from Oklahoma State as the medalist. Lance? Well, I mean, I don't know why I wouldn't pick Oklahoma. I mean, I'm picking them number one. <laughs> they live in the, they're in the middle of the country, so they're not going that far west. I do think it's going to be a big deal playing at Greyhawk for some of these teams that are really good on the East Coast, like Steve has mentioned several times. Um, but, I, I mean, I think, you know, all three of our number ones that we talked about, Oklahoma, uh, Pepperdine, and Arizona State, I mean, are all great picks. Um, I, I, I just I, – I can't pick against Oklahoma at this point. I have no reason to. Uh, I think there's a lot of pressure being the home team for Arizona State. That doesn't mean they can't get it done. It's just it's a, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for them, I think, than what people would 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 hope for. Um, and individually, I mean, that's that's a, such a tough question. I would probably stick with somebody from Arizona State as having the individual uh, having favor to win the individual. Maybe Kevin Yu to win that. Um, but you know, it, it, there are so many good players. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this year we wouldn't see one of those. I don't want to say no name, but maybe a player from outside the top 10, top 20, just because I think the golf course is going to lend itself to someone who gets hot. I don't think the golf course is going to necessarily identify who the very best player is. And that's not to say Greyhawk's not going to be ready for a championship course. I just think it's going to be very difficult this year. It's, it's like going into a PGA tour event, Steve, where, you know, it's, any one of these guys might be able to win if they're, if they're hot. William Mao already has a victory at Greyhawk. So that's an interesting nugget. Uh, he won the AJGA Thunderbird there a few years ago now. I know it's a little bit different course, um, but I just feel like William Mao is only going to keep getting better. He has certainly a lot to improve on from the fall. So I was going to go Kevin Yu, but since Lance picked Kevin Yu, I'm going to go William Mao for my individual. And then my team, I, I got to stick with Arizona State. I've been talking them up. They're the home team. They're just top to bottom. And, I mean, how how cool of a story would it be for college golf, for Arizona State to win both the men's and women's, and then for the entire rest of the country to start a petition to move the NCAAs from Greyhawk because, because you know, the, the home team won both. But, uh, no, I'm, not, I'm obviously just, uh, you know, joking. But uh, that, that would be something, though, you know. It would, and we're looking forward to it. College golf is back in 2021. Our thanks to Lance Ringler, Julie Williams from Golf Week for joining us. Brentley and I will be with you every couple of weeks or as needed if big news develops. But I think we're all in the same boat that hopefully we have turned the corner this year. We thank you for listening to this edition of College Golf Talk. For Brentley, I'm Burka. We'll see you around the corner real soon.